once you expose that young man or woman to like better things and they still don't come around, then that's when it gets tough. But yes, you know, if, if, if they don't know any better, it's, it's kind of our job too to like help raise them and have conversations and empower them and walk them through these processes. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by NBA agents Jelani Floyd and Dan Poneman. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, normally I would do the whole week that was, what's new in my neck of the woods, but in the interest of the amazing people that produce my podcast getting an actual summer break, I am going to forego all that. We're going to jump right into these guys' bios, and we're going to get into this episode as quickly as possible. Now, listen, I don't know how much you know about the NBA or how much you know about being an agent, but I'll be honest, like I'm around NBA guys, I'm around EuroLeague guys, I watch the NBA religiously, and I didn't know a ton about what an NBA agent did until I started interacting with these guys. They are both co-founders of a group called Beyond Athlete Management, which is a Chicago-based sports agency, and... We cover all kinds of stuff in this episode. We talk about their athletic backgrounds and how they got interested in sports. We talk about what it actually takes to become an NBA agent. And let me tell you, that part of the show alone is shocking to me, like absolutely shocking. I think you're going to be very intrigued by that. We're going to talk about what an NBA agent does. You know, it's not just Jerry Maguire, show me the money or, you know, ballers where showing off Rolexes and cars. There's a lot more to it than that. We're going to talk about the mentorship that these guys do with these young men and women that they work with. It's just an absolutely fascinating show. And here's what I think is the coolest part. And I kept coming back to this as we're having this discussion. There's so many parallels between what these guys do as agents and what we do as trainers, coaches, and rehab professionals. Even if you're not interested in the day-to-day ongoings of an NBA agent, I think if you take a step back and you look at this from kind of a 30,000 foot view and you see how their roles and responsibilities in many ways mimic ours, I think you're really going to enjoy this show. So I'm going to stop there. Enough for me. Let's do this. It seems like almost every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. The exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. And last but not least, I've added an entire section on my assessment process and how to use that to write programs faster and more effectively than ever before. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. 
Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will launch in March 2021, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails coming very soon. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Dan and Jelani, appreciate you guys coming on the show here today. Really excited to chat with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm Dan Poneman, co-founder and uh, MBA agent at Beyond Athlete Management, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Hey, I'm Jelani Floyd, uh, co-founder at Beyond Athlete Management, agent, uh, licensed attorney here in the state of Illinois, born and raised in Chicago, met DP year many years ago. Uh, <laughs> He was, uh, you know, scout covering local basketball, national basketball, actually. And, you know, uh, he covered my commitment to Brown University. I love it. So you guys are obviously a little different because you're not trainers and coaches, which is the people that I typically interview on this show. So I'd love to start with just a little bit of background on you guys. And I'd love to know what your athletic backgrounds look like to try and get an idea of how you eventually worked into becoming agents. So I grew up playing basketball, obviously, you know, west side of Chicago. Every kid's dream is to play in the NBA. Uh, got a chance to play. And I graduated from Whitney Young in the city. I uh, did a postgraduate year at uh, one of the nation's best boarding schools. From there, I earned an opportunity to attend Brown University and uh, play for Coach Craig Robinson, who is President Obama's brother-in-law. Oh, wow. So I had a great first year. We won 20 games my first year. Uh, Craig left and went to Oregon State, and I ended up transferring from UC Davis. I graduated from there. Then I had a you know grad year, played under Mike Jarvis. So I got a chance to like be at a lot of different places. Um, yeah. My grad year is where I learned like I uh, got my you know nonprofit management certification, and I that's something that I just like was kind of just hooping trying to figure out things, but it's like, I think one of my greatest like skill sets that I have that I'm able to offer athletes today is like a vast knowledge and, and even friends and colleagues, you know, information about nonprofits. Um, but anyway, I went on after that, I played a year of professional basketball uh, in Germany and Luxembourg. And, you know, after that kind of just was realizing like shit had to give up, like, damn, I'm not good enough to make it to the NBA. Right. But I am a really smart individual. Um, I have relationships in the business, friends that I grew up with who are now in the NBA, made millions of dollars and all of these different things. So being known as a smart guy and uh, right after came back home, I knew I had always wanted to go to law school. It was something that my parents had been talking to me for a long time about. Um, so I got a sales gig, doubled down on you know my relationships in basketball and, uh, you know, began to study for the LSAT and ended up graduating from Chicago Kent College of Law and licensed attorney. But throughout that entire time, like uh, law school, Daniel and I reconnected, started rebuilding. And yeah, here we are today, you know, in the space and, and working and building something special and beyond. I love it. I love it. What about you, Dan? What's your sports background like, my guy? Yeah. So like Jelani said, when I was in high school at Evanston Township High School in Evanston, Illinois, 
Um, I started a high school basketball website. When I was still in school, I used to rank all the top high school players in the state. I do interviews. This was like the early days of blogs, you know, early 2000s, pre-social media, yeah. you know, where, where I was, you know, using AOL Instant Messenger to interview guys, <laughs> guys like Jelani. I don't remember what his screen name was, but, but yeah, I, I started a website, a blog. I, and I played ball. Like I grew up playing AAU. I played for Steve Pratt at Full Package, great AAU program. My middle school, I played for a JCC Maccabi team. Like I played, but I was just never like that good. Like I would have been good if I like grew up in central Illinois. I probably would have been like the best player in my town. But I, w- I was in Evanston, highly competitive environment, 4,000 kids at the school. You know, my, my high school was named one of the top 10 most successful high school basketball programs in the state um, over the last decade. So like I wasn't really going to find my path as a player there. Like I made the freshman team. I was one of the better players in the school, but I wasn't ever going to be the guy. And I found my route not participating in athletics, but writing about it. Yeah. Um, so I went from being a writer to a scout to now, you know, 15 years later, I'm an agent. And uh, it's kind of been the only job I've ever had is working in basketball. And here we are today. I love it, man. So, so DP, let's stay with you. What led you to become an agent or what made you think like, I think this is something that I want to do for a career? Well, it's funny throughout my career as a scout and a writer agent was the one thing I always said I wouldn't do. It was like this thing that people always say, oh, you, you'd be a good agent. And yeah. I, no, I don't want to do that. It just seemed like the sellout thing to do. Mm. It seemed like, oh, I'm here helping people get scholarships. I'm, I'm helping build players' careers. I'm helping give guys exposure. And agents just work with the rich millionaire players. They're just all about the money, and I don't ever want to be a sellout. But then you know, I got to my mid-20s, and money became more important. So being a sellout became more appealing. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, really, I got to my mid-20s, and I realized that you don't have to be a sellout to, to make money and you can be an agent and not have to be the stereotypical agent, not have to be the money grubbing slick all about, you know, show me the money guy. You can do yeah. it on your terms. You can do it in a way where you can be true to yourself, work with good clients, work with guys who you value and who value you and really have a good time doing it. And I really realized that for my first time in business as a scout and as a writer, I was busy honing my skills of being an agent without being an agent. I was marketing guys' careers, you know, basketball ability to colleges. I was helping them pick colleges. I was helping guide them through college. And then they would get to the pros. And when there was money involved, some agent would come by and go, all right, I got it from here. But, you know, I helped them build these careers at a certain point when, when the players that I grew up with started coming of pro age, I, I kind of did so myself. And right away when I got into it, I was like, oh, I'm great at this. This is, this is what I've been practicing for. And I, again, you don't have to compromise your 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 values to 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 do any profession. And, and me and Jelani and our partners have found a way to build our business and do it in a way that's ethical and feels good to us. Yeah, I love that. What about you, Jelani? What made you think like I think this is the route for me? For me, thinking of some of the stuff like I always help, even in in college, like high school, even like. I got myself in the Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts by like reading, doing research, calling, figuring out the application process. Um, I helped my brother, you know, land contact with a junior college coach. I helped like place my homie on my other guy from high school, like call the coach and acted as if I was him to talk to the coach <laughs> to like get a spot on the team. You know, so it was like things that I've kind of like always been doing and I never had that idea, Um, never been afraid to like speak with people. But I think what led me is like the opportunity, right, to to serve. And I think 
a lot of these guys are underserviced. They're not empowered. And as I saw things as I was growing up and as I had friends going through the business, I'm like, that's not right. Um, so one of the biggest things for me has been to, you know, raise the standard of representation. Our goal isn't to represent every single professional athlete, but our goal is to raise the standard where, you know, certain athletes are like, dang, why? Like, y'all should be doing it like beyond doing it. Like, right. well, beyond, they do this, beyond doing that. So I should get that type of service. And so uh, for me, it was always just like one of those things. And then I love basketball. So since I'm not good enough to play, um, I can use my mind and be involved in the business side of it. And that's a beautiful thing. And then having access to these young men and, and women um, who can make huge impacts on their community through their like platform and through their fame and through their wealth, being a part of that, being behind the scenes and the brains to that is really important as well. Because I think a lot of these guys, they just really don't know any better. You know, yeah. they just don't know and they're being taken advantage of. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued by the process you guys have to go through to become an agent. And I'll give you a practical example in my space. Like you can basically say you're a trainer or a coach with no licensure, not passing any certifications like that stuff helps. But there is no governing body that says, hey, uh, you're a trainer because you did this, this and this. So what steps or what hoops do you guys have to go through to become a licensed or a certified agent? And Jelani, I'd love to hear from you first. Um, so, yeah, the steps are, I mean, they're universal, you know. Um, so basically, like, you need to find $2,500, um, apply. The, it's all through the MBPA website. Um, you apply, you sit for an exam in January, you, and you study the collective bargaining agreement. You read it through and through and, you know, you sit and take, I believe it's a 50 question exam. Um, now it's virtual, but when we took it, it was in New York and uh, multiple choice, open book, ask you about contracts, ask you about the different rules, players, free agency, you know, all of those different things that pertain to, you know, just the bare minimum of what you need to be able to represent a professional basketball player's career. But the, the exam is like, the hard part, but it's also the easy part. Um, but the, the hard part is like, now you got to go get players. That's the hard <laughs> right. part. Like, right. You have to have relationships. And a lot of people are like, oh, how do I get into business? And it's way more certified agents than there are 3,000 certified NBA agents, but only 400 play, uh, players. You know, the number is crazy. It might not be that much, but it's crazy where one guy may have 40 NBA clients, you know, and yep. it's not equal. It's, it's all based on, you know, it's an eat what you kill business. That's the big, like the exam is one part, but really building up your relationships is like the way more important step. And like people just think, oh, I need to go get certified right away. I didn't get certified right away. I was working and in the space for at least five years. Dan was in the space for 10 years. Right. You have to take your time with get certified. I think the most important thing is relationships. Oh, that's really interesting. So Dan, I'm a trainer. I've got an exercise science degree. I got a master's in biomechanics. I can go take this test. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's funny. I, I Anybody can take the test. I hear you saying like, you're saying like, oh, anybody say they can be a trainer, but it's not like that. For, no, it's exactly like that for agents. That's like, amazing. Anybody can take the test. Anybody can pass it. It's not 
I mean, it's a hard test. It's not the hardest test in the world. It's open book. You pay $2,500 a year and you get certified. So I see, you know, tons of people will follow me that'll say, you know, NBPA certified agent in their bio mm-hmm. on Instagram have zero clients or zero leads for MBA clients, you know, and it's like not to, you know, hate on their dream, but it's like, I don't necessarily see the benefit of paying $2,500 a year until you like, you know, again, like Delani said, I was in the business for 10 years and I had, I was friends with every college coach in the country before I even got certified. And even then it was hard to get my first client. Yeah. And a shot would have been more someone who believed in me, you know, by my first year. There was a New York Times article about our partner, EJ, that said the year that me, Jelani, and EJ got certified, there was something like 200 agents who passed the test. And only at that point of, of the article being written five years later, only 10 of them had done an MBA contract. And three of them were me, Jelani, and EJ. Oh, so, my gosh. That's amazing. There's a lot of people out here certified, but I always tell you, just being certified doesn't do anything for you. You, I, I, you get certified in a lot of things, but unless you're actually done the job, unless you're actually doing the job, the certification is is worth the sheet of paper that it's written on. That's crazy. Okay, so one other question on this topic. How big is that CBA? Glad you got one on your desk. No, it's probably like 500 pages. <laughs> okay, so I thought I had heard it was like five or 600, but... Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, you got to really be committed to passing it and knowing like what to read and understand. It's... It's definitely not an easy thing to understand, but it's a lot of different resources too online that you can try and look up. But how we passed is to take the, just read it front to back, period. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's not the easiest test in the world, but it's also not like going to law school for three years. You right. study really hard for a month or two and you pass the test. If you can't pass the test, you shouldn't be an agent. Yeah. Um, you know, but just passing the test is only so much. Yeah, you know the rules now, but do you know how to apply it? Do you, do you, do you know, you know, you can, you can learn about contracts, you can learn about salary cap, you can learn about you know, the, the numbers involved, but do you know, do you have the relationships with the teams to actually go get the player the deal? Do you have the experience to know what the player's value is or how they fit into the marketplace? Like there's all these other things that come with being an agent that aren't, you know, involved with the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. Okay, so this leads seamlessly into my next question, and I think it's the thing that I'm most interested in, and that's this idea of the recruiting process, right, and this process that you guys go through. Because one thing that I feel like, and again, my the number of agents that I know is very small, so I am biased, and obviously you're on my show, so I'm biased because of that too. But if we're being real here, like you guys have these amazingly high character individuals that you work with. Like every guy that I've worked with from your guys' agency has been top notch. So how do you guys go about identifying the players that you want and then getting them to eventually sign with you? And Dan, I'll I'll let you lead here first. Yeah, I mean, they say that 80% of your problems come from 20% of your clients. And the key is to avoid signing guys in that 20%. (laughs) Yeah, yep. Right, and I think we do a pretty good job of that. I mean, the first part is just basically you ask their college coaches, you ask... High school coaches, you get to know the guys and you find out, is this type of person that I want to work with? Because if I'm going to not enjoy working with this person and they're going to be calling me every day and I'm going to be dreading it every time they pick up their phone or I'm going to constantly be putting out fires, A, it's not fair to myself to put myself through it. And B, it's not fair to my other clients. I'm spending all this time on one client that has all these issues. But what about the client who's like a perfect citizen and does a great job and they're not getting as good of service because I'm spending all this time on this person that has all these issues, right? Yep. The second part, which I think is more important, is like you you receive the energy that you give. 
So I think when we go into recruiting pitches, we don't sell something that we're not. We sell something that we are. And the people that are attracted to what we are are the people who we're going to want to work with. So if we go in there and say, hey, we're about this, we're about that, and we're about this, and we're about that, the guys who are attracted to that are going to sign with us, and they're going to have good working relationships with us. Now, if I went in and said, hey, if you sign with me, I got this gold diamond chain, and I got this Rolls Royce, and you're going to be set. All right, cool. I might sign the player, but that's probably not going to be a guy that's going to vibe with what Beyond Athlete Management does. So I think it's about like being true to yourself and recruiting pitches and, being, and not altering your pitch to the audience. And then you're going to find guys that genuinely value the services that you provide. Got it. Got it. What about you, Jelani? What do you think makes your guys' recruitment process unique? Um. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I think our recruitment process is like really something is genuine. It comes from great relationships or, or young men um, who understand our value, who understand what we set out to do and we haven't lost you know, focus on that vision or, or those goals. Um, and so we're not for everyone. Like some guys just like, hey, I don't want to learn about the big, I just want to play basketball. I don't, and those guys aren't for us because we like, we want the guys who want to maximize their potential, who want to maximize the relationships that they can make and all of those different things. So that's really important to us. But our recruiting process is like really genuine. It comes, I mean, it's referrals. Some of it is cold calls, but for the most part, it's like people who rock with us and they like, hey, I got a really good player. I know a guy, connect you. And and those are where we have like high success rates. See, that's that's really intriguing, too, because so much of our business at our gym is referral based. And a lot of times people ask, oh, what's your marketing program or what do you do? It's like, man, so much of it is based on referrals people knowing how we do things and saying, hey, I got a person for you. So it's interesting that it works in your guys' space as well. So let's talk about kind of the dark side because we know we've all been around high-level athletes, great young men, great young women that don't have the best people around them, right? Sometimes just downright like bad characters that are in their life. So when it comes to a client or an athlete like that, how do you work to protect or shield them from people who you know don't have their best interests at heart? Or is that somebody you're just not willing to sign because you know, like, I don't know if I can help this person. I mean, look, it's tough. It happens often. And oftentimes you don't want to judge a kid because they don't have the best people in their corner. Yep. Right. So it's like, Oh, maybe you have an AAU coach who's, you know, not yeah, who ill intentioned, but yep. you're the guy and you're just, you know, the player is, you know, innocent and they're being taken advantage of. Well, usually I'm not going to judge that player for that and recognize that oftentimes as guys go through their professional career, they shed, oftentimes they shed those influences because a lot of times it's like when you're young, you look up to whoever is, is guiding you. And sometimes it's not the best guides, but then when you become a pro and you get the money and you become an adult, oftentimes you start making decisions for yourself. So you hope that you can get into their life and help guide them and show, you know, you know, I, I think being an agent, particularly for a young player, you're in a precarious position. You're not only a business advisor, but you're a life advisor. You're trying to guide this kid through life. Yep. You can't come in and be like, hey, yeah, your uncle's just come back. That's not <laughs> right. That, that, that's right. Not the way to do it. That's not your place. But if you, you know, help guide them through life and help them see right from wrong and, you know, who's really up to what and, and kind of just guide them through, they'll, they'll figure it out on their own or, or, or they won't. But ultimately, you know, it, it is definitely a tricky 
tricky thing. You know, once, once you know, more money, more problems. Once someone gets to the league, there's always going to be those you know, nefarious influences coming out of the woodwork for them. And, and that's just a reality of the business we work in. Yeah. Jelani, one of the things that, that Dan kind of pointed out, whether he knew it or not, is something that's important to us. And that's just the relationship side of this. And I think one of the things that you can't do, it'd be like if you know somebody's a shady character right away and you've identified that, it's really hard day one to go to somebody that you're working with and say, hey, like you said, your uncle's a scumbag. But if you work with somebody long enough and you've shown that you've cared for them, that you've had their best interests at heart, then it's a lot easier to have those conversations. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's delicate, though. You have to one, like sometimes like a lot of these guys and they families even or the scumbag uncle who we may feel as though a scumbag, like they just don't know any better. Right. You know, they don't, they just so broke that they can't think about, you know, they just so pressed about a few dollars that it's like, you know, so dealing with some of that. And, but I, I think like once you expose that young man or woman to like better things and they still don't come around, then that's when it gets tough. But yes, you know, if, if, if they don't know any better, it's, it's kind of our job too to like help raise them and, have conversations and empower them and walk them through these processes. Yeah, I love it. So when most people think of an agent, unfortunately, they think of like either Jerry Maguire or maybe they think of the Ballers TV show. But I would love to hear from you guys, like what does a typical day look like for you guys? Like what are you doing from when you get up in the morning to when you go to bed at night? It's funny, the Ballers TV show thing, it's like people expect the agent to like have the fancy car and the Ro- and the Rolex and it's, it's like at the end of the day, like having a nice car or a nice watch like doesn't help me do my job better. Like, <laughs> right. It would be unnecessary to being a sports agent. Like that's, you know, what appears on TV. And yeah, we get courtside tickets and nice dinners and, you know, cool experiences. But like the bulk of the job is us sitting in our office and making calls. Today, I've just been on Zoom meetings all day, talking to teams. Like right now we're in the middle of the pre-draft process. We have, yep. you know, seven, eight rookies with our team. They've worked out. I think we, we, over the last month, like 75 different NBA workouts with 25 different teams, you know, all the guys just zigzagging in the country. So coordinating travel, talking to the teams, collecting feedback, information for our players. We had two guys get injured today in NBA workouts, figuring out their treatment, just like really mm. being there every lockstep with every step of their, their basketball day-to-day career. And then each season's different. So like right now it's the pre-draft process. Free agency is coming up. That's going to be us crunching numbers and talking to GMs and helping guys get their free agency deals. Then summer league comes. That's another thing. Then training camp happens. Now we're flying around the country, going to games, visiting our clients, making sure they're settled in their new city. So each season is a completely different set of responsibilities. But um, a lot of it is just like a lot of phone calls. And a lot <laughs> of travel. And that's really what it is. I'm on the phone all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's always interesting when you come in the gym and like in between sets of pull-ups, you're taking calls or, or texting somebody, I feel like that thing's glued to your hip, man. Yeah. I tell people all the time, man, that ballers and that shit just entertainment. If you're doing this job to be, it's a thankless job. You're supposed to answer my calls. You're supposed to be available at three in the morning. You're right. not supposed to have a family or a private life. Like you're not working all day. I mean, that's just kind of what it is. But yeah, it's a lot of, and especially for us, like, you know, not to like downplay any other guys like at other agencies, but we also, we built a company from scratch. 
Yep. So we not just agents. We also dealing with business development, brand development, marketing, connections, fundraising. So we got all of these different tasks, like everything that you see from beyond, from the merch to the website, to the players, to the pro day, to the uniforms, like we doing all that ourselves. Yep. Like that's us. Like this is like a real, like we nimble, we, we having meetings and, you know, Dan is coming to, you know, meetings with like, Hey, I just met this other person. Maybe we can incorporate this software. You know, there's like companies that I'm coming across. Hey, we, we can maybe, because we have to be forward thinking and, and advanced. So like one of the biggest things is, is really understanding that, but this is a thankless job phone call. I mean, I, I kind of break it down and do hour by hour, but I got like my recruiting phase. I got my client maintenance phase. I got my business development portion. I got my newsletter and podcasts and social media. Yeah. It's like all of these different groups that you have to like tend to. You got to go to your recruiting, your free agent recruiting, uh, NBA laterals, college recruiting. Um, you got to take meetings with various people, take phone calls from various people because you never know who may, who, you know, who may end up being that person. And you, as an agent, you don't want to be the guy like, oh yeah, Jelani, oh Jelani, they didn't call my such and such back <laughs> right. 10 years ago when I was just a fat ass chubby kid, they didn't call me back, you know, so it's always like the balance of all of that stuff is important too. Uh, for yeah, sure. Two, two things on that note. So Jelani and I are both, we're in the office right now, it's three o'clock. We're going to be here till 10 tonight. And then tomorrow's Friday. We're planning to be here till 10 or 12 tomorrow because the thought process is Friday night. People will stop calling us. We'll have to stop having incoming correspondence that we can finally work on some like long-term business development stuff. So we have to find yeah. times like Friday, Saturday night when like people, the incoming calls aren't happening, then we can actually work on like, all right, what, what, where are we going in six months? Yeah. You know, other thing I was going to say, just like an example of what, what Johnny was talking about. So like I just took a family trip to Seattle to see my uncle, my dad, and my sister over the Fourth of July. So I was on the West Coast or Pacific time, July fifth at six twenty a.m. I got a call from a family member of a client, and like I didn't answer because I was asleep at six twenty a.m. So I wake up at like six forty-five, and I hit him back at seven. He was like, "Damn man, you sleep more than any agent I know. Why aren't you up?" <laughs> Call me at 6 20 a.m. Now, granted, this guy was probably like on the East Coast or something, right? right. Like, like 9 20, but it's like right. now that people expect you at 6 a.m., no matter if it's a day after the holiday, you know, where you are, you got to answer that, that that phone call or else they're going to be wondering what the deal is. So you sleep with the phone by your bed, and uh, that's the reality of the circumstance of being an agent. That's what you sign up for. Yeah. You know what I love about this, though, is like the entrepreneurial side of what you guys do because it's the same way for us, right? Like when I opened my gym, like you got your days and your times where you're just training people, but that's just the training. Like that's not the marketing. That's not the selling. That's not the writing of the program. So I think that's what most people miss is they just think, oh, he's just on the calls, whatever. But yeah, there's all this work on the back end that goes to setting that other stuff in motion. Okay, this is a kind of off the script question, but I'm really intrigued because Dan, you put all these different times in front of us, right? Like summer league and there's probably college recruiting and there's pre-draft workouts of all that. Is there a favorite time of the year for you? I would say that the only off time or the only like downtime, which isn't my favorite time, I say, but the only downtime is like late August, like August, early September, where it's like 
post summer league before the training camp starts. Yeah. Like on then you get a that's when guys take vacations, you get a little lull. Right. And then um aside from that, I would say my favorite time is this is actually usually a fun time, the pre-draft time, even though it's super stressful, high volume of calls, because it's fun with you know seeing guys start their careers and they're nervous and they're anxious and it's where am I gonna be playing next year? Who's gonna draft me? Who's gonna sign me? And then like helping show guys, hey, it's gonna be okay. I got your back. Here's your boom, boom, boom. You got your first job. And now it's almost like sending your kids away to college where it's like, <laughs> you got your job, you're on your way, you know, God bless you. And like that, that's a good feeling of helping guys kind of, and then as guys go through their career, it's like they're pros and there's less hand holding. It's more so like they, you know, they got it. They got to figure it out. But that rookie process, helping guys get those first steps out into the pro world is always really rewarding. Yeah. What about you, Jelani? Is there a favorite time of the year for you? the summers and being able to like connect with guys, but it's like our busy season. Yeah. It's really weird though, that like everybody else is a little bit more chill during the summer. It's four day work weeks and people traveling, taking trips, taking vacations, enjoying the sun all day. Whereas like, we really like, man, you trying to get meetings, you dealing with draft and pre-draft stuff. And I kind of love that. And I would probably agree like, Right when guys like get to training camp, you know, it it, like things like right after Vegas summer league and right before training camp is like pretty chill, but man, we expanding. So now we got football. Yeah. So we want to call it football games now. So it's, we really hustling in like that, that just that phase of just like building. And so it's really all the same to me at this point. Um, So I'm loving it right now. And I've always said like, I know that this is a position of service. And so the second it becomes about me is when I'll do something else, you know, but I love it. And it's like, you know, we getting to work around basketball is cool. And we definitely like need our breaks. I think like we, I definitely enjoy like the holiday time. I think like athletes all around the world, they like, all right, look like them last two weeks in December, like they yours, like right. things is slow, nothing really happening. Nobody's doing any business. So that's pretty cool too. With COVID, that's when they started up the league. It, yeah. It's just been crazy. So, um, yeah. but it's been good. Yeah. And it's just funny talking to you guys, how many parallels there are between my space and your space, even though you would think they're totally different ends. Like there's so many parallels between the word of mouth and the referrals between just the struggles and the things that you guys are going to. I really enjoy that. So one thing I want to ask you guys about, and I think that a lot of people, again, they hear the horror stories, right? They hear about the guy that made $150 million, lost it all, lost $80 million. Mike Tyson, I think they said, lost like $400 million over his career, right? So you guys have talked about this, and again, it's why I respect you, because you do such a good job of trying to educate the young men and women you work with. Like, how do you go about having these discussions about money? Because some of them probably have, they come from decent families or at least modest, some come from nothing. So how do you guys go about educating these young men and young women to take care of their money so that they are set, if not for life, for a long period of time? You know, uh, Dan always says, you know, he has a quote about, you know, show me the five people you hang around the most and that's who you are and like what books are you reading? Uh, So a lot of it is just like exposure, I think, and knowing that it takes time. You know, these athletes, they're so young. Um, Yes. So we really have to like just take our time and 
and build. And But now, a lot of the things that, that we do in the relationships that we have with our guys, we are like, they look up to us. You know, exactly. whether they want to admit it, they have more money than us, but they they look up to us because they like, damn, if I can't play basketball, I may not be able to hold a candle to these guys. With that being said, they're empowering me. They like, hey, what book you read? They open about, you know, therapy and mental health and talking to them about finances and connecting them with good people in the business and all of those things. So I think all of that is is really important. Yeah. 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 It's a team effort. I think our guys have financial advisors that we work with, one of whom you know, you know, Mark Wise. Yeah. Indianapolis with Northwestern Mutual and there's other guys we work with that it's a team effort setting budgets and helping guys see how much money they can have for the rest of their life if they don't spend recklessly. But a lot of it is leading by example. You know, I don't own any jewelry, really. I don't have any designer clothes. I drive the same Volkswagen Passat I've had for eight years. I'm actually getting a new car on my birthday in a few weeks. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's like, hey, could I have afforded a few years to go get a Porsche? Yeah, probably. But would that have been a you know financial stress that I didn't need? Yeah. Well, I saved up. I bought a house. And showing guys through my life experiences, hey, guys, I drove the same Volkswagen for eight years. Well, now look at the big, beautiful house that I own. You know, making wise financial decisions leads to great outcomes. And you don't need to flex and show people, you know, I don't need to be the guy from Ballers. I don't need to show people my Rolex and my Gucci that I have money. You know, you can look at the contracts of the guys that you represent and know that we're doing okay. I think it's it's showing guys through the way that I live and, and leading by example of, hey, this is how you're, you can be fiscally responsible and be happy and be proud. And you don't need to show it off. Everyone knows you're in the NBA. Yeah. You don't need to, to show it off. But even still with that, there are still always going to be financial pitfalls. When you get to the NBA, you're going to feel like you're responsible financially for a lot of people in your life. Anytime you see someone struggling, whether it's mom, dad, brother, cousin, friend who's struggling, you're going to feel like I can do something about that. And hey, right. I'm victim to that too. I have friends who have fallen on hard times where I'll loan them money or give them money or feel guilty or, or whatever. Like anybody, when you reach a certain level of financial security, you're going to, that, that, that comes with the territory, but it's about learning how to say no. And a lot of times I tell my clients, your favorite line has to be, oh, that sounds great, but let me, uh, let me just run about my agent and let me be the bad guy because I know it's hard to say no. And you can't always say no. But uh, you, you got to sometimes or else you're going to end up broke. Well, and especially with the high character guys you guys are associated with, right? Like that's probably going to be even harder for them to say no. So this leads me to a question that, again, not really on script, but I think is is intriguing to me because you guys have mentioned a couple times now this role and this idea that you want to be mentors to the young people that you work with. When you guys started creating Beyond, was that something that you were focused on or is that something that naturally evolved the longer you did it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason why we started it. I mean, I saw in the city of Chicago, a lot of our top players, a lot of our heroes, our local heroes that made it to the league that got poor mentorship and poor guidance. They had people taking from them instead of pouring into them. They had people trying to exploit them and try instead of trying to invest in them. And I saw guys fall by the wayside who should have made it. And growing up, I was too young. These guys were my peers. So I really wasn't in a position to lead and to help them. But when I got became of age that I could, I knew it was a responsibility to me, myself, my community, my city, that we help guide these guys in the right direction. Yeah, if you can help one player become a millionaire in the NBA, that's great. If you can help a player become a millionaire in the NBA and help that guy reinvest some of those millions and some of that platform into his community to help 
many more kids go to college and many more kids succeed and many more kids follow their example. Now we're really doing something. And we knew when we started this company, we had a responsibility to not only work with the best players that come out of Chicago, but water the soil that, that grew them and help, help more players make it. I love it. What about you, Jelani? Is that something that you naturally thought of, or is it just something that you kind of worked into over the years? Really just worked into it over the years for sure. Yeah. 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 I think I'm the same way, you know, Dan, it sounds like you had like this very strong vision of what you wanted. And for me, I was always interested and intrigued by the the training side and the X's and O's. And it wasn't until I did it longer. And I think as I got older that I realized, hey, man, I can really have a positive impact outside of just the weight room. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the more time you spend around these people, the more you realize, hey, man, like I did a lot of dumb stuff in my 20s. And luckily now at 42, I can reflect on that. And be objective about it and say, hey, man, these are the mistakes that I made. And I don't want you to make those same mistakes. So here's some things that I think would help you be more successful, right? So you don't fall into the same pitfalls that I did. So it's just cool to hear that you guys are doing that. So one other topic that I want to broach, I know I'm pretty sure you were both on a call about this just a little while ago. But everybody now is buzzing about the NIL for college athletes. So, Jelani, we'll start with you. Could you start by just explaining what the NIL is and what the system could do, maybe both positively and negatively, for college athletes? Uh, so, NIL is it stands for Name, Image, Likeness. Is basically it allows now college athletes, which was previously banned, to you know monetize or 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 use their name, image, and likeness for like to get paid or in exchange for merchandise or sponsorship. So just say that local basketball player at Butler may not be an NBA player, may not have a professional career afterwards, but the community cares a lot about them. So, you know, that player can now launch a basketball camp saying, hey, spend 300 bucks per kid and I'll train your kid using their name, image and likeness. So it's it's right now is is really a mess. Uh, <laughs> NCAA didn't take any leadership uh, with it. They've just deferred to the states or the universities. They really didn't have a plan in place. So, you know, so the NCAA's initial thing was to not really allow players to like monetize and make all of this money, but they've been forced to because states basically pass laws. So you had about a dozen or so states who have like NIL laws and it got to July 1st and the day before the NCAA is like, you know what, we lose. They lost the landmark Austin case, which uh, the Supreme Court ruled that the NCAA can't limit a university's education uh, benefits related to like education. So let's just say, for instance, I'm in Chicago. You got DePaul and Loyola. DePaul, they both offer a full athletic scholarship but DePaul, like, hey, Cam Newton, we got a laptop for you. Right. You know, and then Loyola's <laughs> like, nah, we don't got a laptop. So it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna go get the extra laptop because I'm getting the edge, I'm getting the athletic scholarship, but they also saying that they're gonna give me a laptop. Right. You know, which a lot of these schools was already doing anyway. Right. But uh now they can do some of those things. And so I think the pros of it is is like you know, for guys who aren't going to play pro sports, like get to the chicken while it's hot, you know, make, <laughs> yeah. make the money. And and then I think the cons are, 
you know, it's just no regulation. It's not, I think the NCAA is getting ready to crumble soon. Like I just, the whole, like, just, it's just crazy. The big thing that they have is the NCAA tournament. But I think now if I were a billionaire, I would, I would approach all of these major schools and universities and I say, Hey, let's start us a super league. Let's go out and get us a TV deal and I'll pay, you know, we'll pay out because people going to watch, yep. but the NCAA, that, that's like the last thing now is like kids still can't be paid. Like, and it's like, look, if a college or a booster is willing to pay somebody a million dollars to come play for them for, you know, a year, like why, why are we blocking that? Like, right. let them do it. Cause it's like, it's capitalism. Like, yeah. so we should just allow that because that's what, that's what's going on behind closed doors anyway. And I think if you put money into like some of these families pockets, they can then make better decisions about their agents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is an opportunity for me where, man, I could go now and represent a 12 year old. You know what I mean? Cause right. it's like, Hey, you could sign with me and I could get you marketing. I could set up your camps. And guess what? In five years, you're going to be able to still play college basketball, if that's even a thing. Right. But it, it opens up the door for us to be able to get in early with some of these athletes as well and, and start working with them uh, right away in college and helping them, you know, generate some marketing revenue. That's interesting. What about you, Dan? What are your thoughts on NIL? What's NIL? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jelani summed it all up. We'll see. We're just, we're, we're watching and monitoring and seeing how it unfolds. It's definitely the floodgates have opened and they're going to keep flowing. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks and months. Okay. So one follow-up here. Are there any restrictions? I mean, I saw like Master P's son signed like a $2 million NIL deal, like the first day. Are there any restrictions at all as to what you can do? Or is it like the wild west out here? I'm wondering with that though, no disrespect to Master P, but yeah. like did he just give that company the money <laughs> and then gave it back? <laughs> I think that's what likely happened, but I don't know. My guess is that Master P owns the company and he's just recycling his own money. Oh. Master P is a master of PR. They should call him Master PR. He's just he loves yeah, true. He's great. He made you know got the 10 day with the Hornets back in the day. Master P knows what he's doing here. It, 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 it's not a there's yeah. something going on with that. Yeah. True, true, true. For sure. Okay, fellas, big question time because I want to be respectful of your time. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Jelani Floyd and Dan Poneman one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, for me, uh, off top, I should have been certified sooner. Yeah. I believe in uh, not changing the past because, you know, it took butterfly flaps its wings, so I wouldn't give any advice to my young self. No, I would just say, honestly, I would say um, read more books, just read more. I read a lot growing up, but I, you can never read enough and just read, 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 because reading books is the secret to unlocking everything that you want in life. I love I it. I love it. Okay. It's been great chatting with both of you here today. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work that you guys are doing? Beyond IAM is our Instagram, uh, Twitter. Daniel and I, we're launching a podcast called Own Your Talent. That'll be coming wherever you get your podcast here soon. At Jelani Floyd, at Daniel Poneman. Shout out to IFAST. All yes. the work you doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's where you can find. I got an Own Your Talent newsletter. So yeah, we, we around. You can just search us. You can find us. I, I love it. And I will say... 
you're listening to this show. You need to read this newsletter. I don't know how much time you spend on that, my guy, but it's amazing. Thanks. It's so in-depth. It's so well-crafted. Like, it's somebody that writes a decent amount or used to write a lot. I respect it, man. There's a lot of work that goes into that, and I see it, man. It's good stuff. Thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, fellas, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on today. All right. Take care. Talk soon. All right, my friends, that does it for this week's show with Jelani and Dan. Really hope you enjoyed it. I had a ton of fun talking to these guys. First off, getting them on a call is no easy task. They are incredibly busy. So the fact that they were willing to take an hour out of their time to talk with me and to share their stories and experiences with us, I truly, truly appreciate that. Second, I truly appreciate you listening to this episode. I hope you learned a thing or two from it. Like I said up top, one of the things that was most intriguing to me were all of the parallels between these guys' world and the world that we live in as trainers and coaches. And I think there's a lot to be gleaned, a lot of information and a nod of knowledge to be gleaned from this episode. So like I said, I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please do me a favor. If you're not already subscribed to this show, please take two seconds out of your day. Do it right now. Wherever you consume podcasts, you can find us iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you consume podcasts, we're there. Hit the subscribe button so you know each and every week when we drop a new episode. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.